Tom Bernard Show with Dave Schrader. Andy Brad Bernard. Cassie Schrader. And it's, uh, by the way, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, it's 89 degrees and sunny. It's going to get hotter. <laughs> it's going to get hot. Oh, well, they, although they say it's going to be 86 tomorrow. It's going to get um, up to 95 soon, like two days. So mm, Yeah, in two days it'll be 95. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Lucky you, honey. I'll be in boxer shorts and no T-shirt all weekend long. <laughs> now we're talking. Showing off his... I was going to say his manhood, but I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> manliness. There you go. Manliness. That's what I meant to say. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business that started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. It is a beautiful day. It's 89 degrees and sunny. That's all I know. 86 tomorrow, but 90, what'd you say, 95? Yeah, for like three days. Woo! That's Saturday, Sunday, and Monday? That sounds like it, yeah. 95, where it's always 95 and sunny. Okay, so I'm not going to be going outside much. Oh, you big baby. No, I'm like Andy. We look to seem to have the same kind of skin tempo going here. <laughs> just a skin step tempo. below vampirism. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just I don't uh, tan. Yeah, I've I been don't. walking to work for, how, like, what, four years now? I just don't tan. You just don't tan. That's true. This is an interesting story because I did not know. If you had to guess how many years Steve Harvey's been doing Family Feud, what would your guess be? Ten. Ten. Um, I would say seven or eight. Yeah, I would say seven or eight. Maybe seven. Well, yeah, I would say no, because Richard, what's his name? Was Richard Dawson. No, no. The, oh, the, Richard, uh, the guy that you from. Not Richard uh, Kind, but uh, Richard, somebody or other from uh, Home Improvement. Home Improvement, right? Yes. Uh, so guy. I would say he was on the. Uh, I'm going to say 15 years for uh, Steve Harvey. 17. Very good. Oh, yeah, 17 off. years. Mm-hmm. I would have no idea that. It, he was doing around that. How long ago did Louis Anderson do it? 25? Yeah, really. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> God. 17 years, I say. Uh, comedian Steve Harvey has seen many a Family Feud contestant come and go in his 17 years at the helm of the TV institution. But one particular participant is no, stuck. It's seven, not 17. They He's put been up... doing it since 2010. Well, it says 17 years was... here in this story. Yeah, I was going to so. say there's no way. Oh, this is right? from. Maternity Week magazine, so (laughs) 
I guess. You're saying they may not vet their stories as yeah, clearly? It says, I was going, really? He's been doing that for 17 years? I would have thought that sounds right, but I forgot there was Louie in there, too. Louie Louis also Louis come too. after uh, no, he was before Al Richard. Borland? Uh, Richard Karn? He was yeah. before. He was immediately before. But you forgot about, and uh, as well as everyone else, John no. O'Hurley. John O'Hurley did it. That's right. John O'Hurley did it. If it wasn't for him, Steve would have been on there for 14 years. Wow. But everyone probably just assumes that he was he was the guy who did it after uh, Al. But nope, John yeah. O'Hurley. Whoever. No, John, I remember John O'Hurley doing yeah. it. Oh, he was Jay Peterman on Seinfeld. Yeah. I, yes, Elaine. Yeah, yes. kind of. I've never even... Go uh, get your cup of coffee. I would have had no idea he was on Family Feud. Yeah. No, he did. Yeah, he did Family Feud. I remember what he did Family Feud. Wasn't the only... A guy was on there one year and then killed himself, didn't he? No, that was Ray Combs, and he was with him for quite a That's while. That's right, Ray Six Combs. Years. Yeah, but Ray I think he Combs. hung himself after he he left the show. He did, yeah. Well, yeah. he Uh-oh. committed suicide by hanging at a medical center was where he was being held for observation. Uh oh. So I'm wondering. Real good observation. Observation. Well, we're was... not going to watch him that closely. <laughs> yeah, really. God. Uh, Guy hangs himself. Apparently, he was deeply in debt somehow, Uh-oh. even though he was making a million dollars a year back in 1990. People like to spend beyond their means. Yeah, they sure do. Everybody like does. Me. Or, or other people steal it from them. So yeah. that's the other part. Well, oh, that's part of that, yeah. I like this. A benefit held at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood netted 10000 for the family. Oh. Great. Oh, 10 grand. That'll yeah, but make if that it... covers the burial, that's yeah, not that's, a bad way to go. That's true. Because the burial can bury you. He didn't leave anything for them because right. he didn't have any money. I have uh, a friend of mine, not in this state, thank God he's a Canadian guy, actually. Uh, the groundskeeper was a woman at their golf course. She had been there for 20 years, and they he started a fund for her going away party because she was going to retire, started a fund for her going away party. He kicked in 50 bucks. His best friend kicked in 50 bucks. Now, your average golf course has 300 to 350 members somewhere in there. So he kicks in 50. His best friend kicks in 50. She received a grand total of $106. Oh, my God. The other 348 members kicked in $3. How could you do that? That's how you become rich, by not giving away. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, the That's what the rich will tell you. The elite are like, giving, charity is ridiculous. Why do yeah. it? I know. They, they do not for give this. to charity. Right. That's true. They Except do Bill not. That's not true. There are a lot that do give to charity. They but, do. I mean, yeah. that, that is the mindset of some really successful people is, I live by meager means because this is my money and I don't need more than this. Yeah, that's true. Cassie does this to on purpose. Jesus is staring at me again. Yeah. This is your fault. I know you do it on purpose. Well, don't do anything naughty. You'll be all right. <laughs> That's right. What's with I'll the post, though? He's got, he's got that kind of, what did I do? What? <laughs> what? what? He's kind of got the shrug on the... Exactly. Yeah, I don't know what he's supposed to be doing there. It's true. Comedian Steve Harvey has seen many a family feud contestant come and go in the <clears throat> seven years at the helm of the TV institution, but one particular participant has stuck in the 61-year-old's memory. Apparently, Harvey was hosting when a team captain appeared on the show and was both incredibly nervous and perspiring a lot. And while being quizzed on national TV can naturally be quite a nerve-wracking experience, this man was nevertheless sweating so hard, it seemed like there was something wrong with him. The contestant played for three days without winning any money at all. How do you play for three days? How do you play for three days? I thought once you lose, you're off. Maybe that contestant, maybe he just didn't add anything is what they're saying. Oh, I see. Yeah, his team team won, but but every answer he gave was a... Oh, yeah, maybe. His physical condition seemed to deteriorate more and more. That's what deterioration is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But when Harvey talked to the man after recording had finished, the host was shocked when he heard the truth. Hyperthyroidism? Uh, The object of family... Well, where's the truth? I want to hear what the truth was. You'll have to buy the magazine yeah. to find out. I guess that. i got to buy the magazine. It said go to the next page. I did. And the change is still on the Family Feud, but it's a totally different subject. What the hell? Are you sure scrolling down a little bit? It's not like they kind of redid one line and then they start you back underneath I a picture. I hate them all. That's all I know. No, there's nothing underneath there. Let's make up our own ending to that story. The man had a heart attack. strapped to himself. (laughs) He was wearing a bomb (laughs) strapped to his vest. And uh, that is one guy, you know, God bless him. He's really been amazing. There is one guy who's not funny. He's not clever. He has a very weak ability to interview people. And he at one time had four 
syndicated or nationally mm-hmm. uh, broadcast TV shows. The, ha- the man has no talent at all. See, I disagree with you on it. I think, really? Yeah, we've talked about it before. Ugh. Here's the deal. Ugh. After Bill Cosby, who is the most prominent? And, and Eddie Murphy, who have really kind of been irrelevant, and now Bill Cosby's erased his legacy, unfortunately. Yeah, that's very true. Steve Harvey has shown that he's a hardworking guy. And he oh, he's a hardworking. And he'll do yeah, it. You're right. I think what he's really good at, which is, and I think I, I might have brought this up to you, yeah, you or did. I was talking yeah. to, no, to you did. Cassie yeah. about it, is the fact that he is good at reactive responses and the slow burns and the Jackie Gleason looks and the Jack yeah, Benny yeah. looks, which is what people like. It's sometimes so much more is said in a look than in the actual words that are used. Yeah. And he is really good at the timing that he doesn't have to say things, which is, you know, I think uh, Letterman was like that too. He was really good at timing and knowing the right time to say things. And yeah. He didn't have to be the funniest guy. He just had to be, he, and, and Carson really excelled at that. Um, and I think that's where Steve Harvey's strength is. I mean, he's got a lot in there, and he's, he he commits to it, man. You got to give him that. Yeah. Because then you meet guys like Ryan Seacrest, who just seem like they're nothing. They're just phoning it in. Yeah. And yeah, I know he's a hard true. worker. I mean, the guy's got a hundred irons in the fire. You know, but to me, he just seems like he doesn't. He he's just cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I've agree never with understood that. the appeal of Ryan Seacrest. I don't understand it either. Cute I, guy, good guy, good looking guy. Cast. But personality wise, what did he ever bring? I mean, he's better better than Brad Dinkelman. Remember who Brad Dinkelman is? Dunkelman. Dunkelman. Yeah, yeah Dunkelman. He walked off the show. One year he made it on, and then they let him go, and then the show exploded from there. Right? Yeah, it's exactly so, right. I don't know if it was he was great by comparison. Well, maybe. Right. So when you're hanging out with Hitler. Bernard seems like a pretty good guy, right? I mean, you've got the guy oh, behind him. Hitler and Bernard in the same sentence. <laughs> okay. you know, my point is when you have somebody next to you that's just not dynamic at all, suddenly you look like the superstar. Yeah. And I think he just got kind of caught up in that snowball. And I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but you know, he doesn't have that same charisma as like a Dick Clark. No, Dick Clark had a lot of charisma. One of the biggest jerks ever born. Really? People don't know. Oh, God, he was awesome. He was so nice to be. me the two times I met the guy. Oh, was he? Oh, really? Oh, that's good. Just that's a gentle good. guy, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, you, and I, you and I are going to butt heads today over no, celebrities. No, he, he just ruined a lot of people's careers because he got nailed for payola and dumped it off on his underlings, and they did the time in federal prison. Well, that's the way it should be. Yeah, absolutely. You should go to prison. And you have for a figurehead that's making billions yeah. for the business. Somebody's got to take. I'm sure that I'm sure those families got taken care of. You think so? Yeah. All right. I think. Here's I could a, be wrong. One of the problems I have with Steve Harvey is if you came to me and I talked about this this morning and said. Um, during the show today, uh, we're going to make you read things like, what would make Tom Bernard a good kisser? It's like, no, we're not going to say that. I don't think he has a say in it. And at this oh, point, when God. you're 45 years into a series, yeah. what questions are there left? I know, but don't ask now questions about me. Now they're goading to try to get funny responses. Yeah, they sure are. So I think when they do that, yeah. they love the fact that I bet he didn't know that question was coming until that moment. Really? And I think that a lot of that is the play up of let's see if we can get Steve into hot water and how he's going to react to people responding to that. Ooh. A union is now accused of Elon Musk of threatening his workers. I like how you didn't even address the what what um what he said. I just went right to, oh, look at this. He's over the Steve Harvey thing. We're on. I'm over the Steve Harvey thing. I just, you well, know. Whatever. Schrader's got skin in the game for some reason. I'll just walk away. I have, feeling, exactly. I have a feeling a lot of people are starting to get over Steve Harvey. Yeah. So, well, he's, he's about at the end of it. I mean, yeah, he's been going forever. He's been he made a lot of money too. Hey, man. But on the other side, you've got Alex Trebek, who's uh, now into season yes. like ninety two yeah. of Jeopardy, and he's the smarmiest prick on TV. Oh, there is no doubt about it. <laughs> but I love when he gives you the look, and I love when Will Ferrell used to do that. You know, he'd ask the question, and he'd be like, "For five hundred dollars, Andy." This type of architecture is only now, and then you're like, "What the hell are you even saying?" Mesopotamia, and would <laughs> be this, year. and then the guy's like, um, "I don't know, Annabellum." <laughs> No. No. And it's a smarmy like, he you don't know the answer. You got it on a card, you moron. He just did it two <laughs> nights ago. He just did it two nights ago. Uh, he asked a question about a Russian author, right? Right. Uh, contestant number one, uh, Tolstoy. No, I'm sorry. That's not the correct answer. Contestant number two, uh, Dostoevsky. I'm afraid that's not the correct, correct answer either. Contestant number three, Oh, you said Tolstoy as well. We already know that's the wrong answer. Right. The correct answer is Alexander Pushkin. 
Like, everybody should know that. I'll Alexander take, Pushkin. I'll take an anal bum cover yeah, for 500. Anal, anal bum cover. I'll have a I'll Chardonnay. Take, I'll take the rapist. That's yes. therapist. That's the, the rapist. That's therapist. Yeah. The <laughs> penis mightier than this. That's the pen, Mr. Connery. The pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. That was a very, very funny I wonder bit. where they got the idea of just taking Connery apart and making him just like the oh. biggest moron. <laughs> exactly. But he played it so well. Daryl Hammond. Yeah. That's a hard one. That's what your mother said, Trebek. That's what He's your mother got, said, constantly Trebek. shooting the, the barbs. <laughs> that, was, that was a funny bit. Yeah. That was a very, very good, very good bit. That was Daryl Hammond, wasn't it? I think so. I think yeah. he played uh, Daryl Hammond. And, and you know who really rocked in that, too, is Norm MacDonald as Burt Reynolds from, oh. like, Smokey and the Bandit time. I'm telling you, Norm MacDonald <laughs> is one of the funniest guys we had him in studio once. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. Just laid back, really nice guy. And he said, you know, I, I'm Canadian. I don't know if you know that or not. I said, yeah. yeah I, uh, I got in some trouble a little while back because uh, I was uh, introducing uh, the music act for that night. And I went on stage and I said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Bruce Cockburn. And after the show, he... Uh, he came up to me and said, oh, actually, my, my name is pronounced Coburn. The, the C and the K are silent. And I said to myself, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the C and the K are the least silent letters in the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> the least silent letters in the alphabet. <laughs> Bruce Cockburn. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's my name. I'm sure that's what it is. Well, it's like, when, how did that become a silent Thing because well, because it's Cockburn, that's why. Oh, because it's Scottish. Isn't it Coburn? Isn't, yeah. Isn't it what it's supposed to be? Is Coburn or it's, something? It's, yeah. it's Coburn. Yes. It's like Loch. Loch. It's not Loch Ness. It's Loch. Yes, yeah, Loch Ness. Yeah. You'd have a good phlegmy throat going for that. Yeah, it's probably Cockburn or something, but... Cockburn? Who knows? Oh, it probably is Cockburn. You're yeah. probably right about that. So you just left the Chuch, because yeah. a lot of people can't do that. I know. A lot of people can't go, Ugh. It's like you say Edinburgh, and everybody's like, it's Edinburgh. Edinburgh. <laughs> Edinburgh. Yeah, calm down. Dial it back. Everything will be okay. People love to get upset over the pronunciation or mispronunciation of words. I was watching the CBS Evening News last night, and they showed their reporter on the big island of Hawaii. And I don't know how far he was away from this volcanic uproar, or whatever the hell it's called. It looked like he was about five feet in front of this like 100 foot tall spewing of lava thank you green screen huh yeah i don't know man he he looked like he was right next to it and it would have been about 2000 degrees so. yeah yeah you can't go very near lava without getting no. burned we will be right back tom bernard show did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy blurry or dim vision due to cataracts tom bernard here for whiting clinic lasik and eye care Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, 
Happy life. DMR Clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. And gentlemen, here comes the burning ball of death. Here comes a 95 <laughs> degree sun. Let's go. I always loved the Beatles for the fact that John Lennon would write the lines like, Life is very short and there's no time. Here comes the sun. <laughs> so George and Paul would have to brighten things up because John's lyrics were so. I mean, they're not dreadful in a bad way. They were beautiful lyrics, but just sobering. How about that? Do you, you know, I was curious. You love music like I do, and with uh-huh. the Beatles. Do you think that after their kind of their big early rise, when they got into it, I kind of felt like when they stopped working together, uh-huh. McCartney came up with some good partial points of songs. That's exactly and what I'm talking about. what he yep. would do is he would marry two songs into one. Yep. So you notice there's like a day in the life. It starts off, woke up. Got out of bed, dragged a comb across my head, right? And then, like, a minute later, all of a sudden, it's like a whole different song. Yep. You know? And there's these weird rejoinders. I often wondered, and, and listen to his music going forward, how many of his songs are like that? They start off yeah. one song, turn into another, and sometimes even end on a totally third yeah, different aspect. I wonder if he just couldn't complete an entire song. Probably. So he had three really cool beginnings and then just tied them all together because his music yep. is is very ADD. I love it. It is very ADD. But a lot of his stuff is very, especially off the uh, Abbey Road album. Yep. And then his solo stuff. Yep. It's when they're no longer working together, you can definitely hear a break I, in uh, what they were doing. I love Paul McCartney. I really, really do. I love the Beatles. Love Paul McCartney. But he did write the worst Christmas song of all time. Oh my God. Really? That's a Christmas song. And that was cool his response to. The time. That was his response to. Uh, so this is Christmas so from this Lennon, is Christmas. which is probably one of the most beautiful songs, right? And just beautifully, and then, yeah. It yeah. Isn't. No one likes simply happy Christmas. Yeah, simply a, having a wonderful Christmas called. time. It's simply having a wonderful Christmas. It is time. called yeah. That's the full name. It's oh, too it long. Name. It's too long a name. You're absolutely right. But I remember when they broke up, and John Lennon came out with "How do you sleep at night?" Well, about they, Paul McCartney. They whoa. There's a great website you can go to that shows every shot that was fired oh, at each other oh yeah because there, there's another lyric where uh mccartney where lennon says they were right when they said you died there, there, yeah you know and yep. uh mccartney would fire back at him on a song and he just piece but it was great marketing as well there was because really you'd good go marketing. by the next mccartney album to see uh, what he had to say yeah, about oh, lennon's yeah. album oh, true and well, that's probably what 90 percent of these rap feuds are about it's like, oh, oh yeah. I got to see what he's saying about him. And, you know, it's totally organic and, you know, not scripted yeah, at all. Totally. I, I often wonder, though, with the numbers like the Beatles and Elvis have done in albums. Yeah. If they're really as successful as we think they are. And here's why. The Beatles had a huge controversy. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. What did they do? They came out. They said, you know, John Lennon made an off-the-cuff remark that, you know, it's, Jesus, we're, yeah. we're almost more popular than Jesus. Mm-hmm. Which people, was true, by the way. They destroyed albums. They burned them all down. Mm-hmm. Then Sergeant Pepper came out. They reinvented themselves yep. and said, let's not be the Beatles. As a matter of fact, the cover is like them standing there at the funeral site yes. of the Beatles. Yep. And now they're Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. Yep. They come out. Now all of a sudden they re-get the popularity. People go back and buy the albums. Exactly. Rubber and then, Soul and Revolver. Then it comes and... out and you can bring it in a cassette form for your car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to go get the cassette yep. form. Oh, now it's on CD. And now oh, it's on CD. Uh... And now it's on ultra high def CD. And these collectors. So I'm wondering, well, yeah, when it's... you look at how many albums, how many, if we really looked at, really, if you just looked at how many of this was sold the first time, you know, one oh, time yeah. through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are they really as successful? I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to take away from them on no. that, but you do wonder. And then you look at some contemporary musicians that are doing that with their one album. I will tell you this. I did talk to a guest one time. This is several years ago. And he told me that combined internationally. So, you know, it was this label and, you know, it was EMI and it was Capital and it was Swan Records and it was blah, blah, blah. So they're on several different labels in several different countries. Uh, was not an estimate. It was a pretty solid figure that record companies stole a billion dollars from the Beatles. 
a billion. Well, they made a lot of bad choices, too. Yeah, they did, yes. Yes, they did. They admit what they opened up Apple Core. Apple Core, yeah. And I think they were only open like 18, 18 months. It was not good. <laughs> the company just kind of failed. They tried too much yeah. too fast. Yeah. Although, you know what's really a strange aspect of that whole story is when, when they broke up, McCartney kind of pissed on everybody else by saying, yeah, I've left the band. And they were just going to all say at the same time that, you know, we're going to break up. Yes. We're, we're going to yes. go our separate ways yep. for a while. Yep. And instead, he kind of took that road. And then, you know, you, you know he's successful. Actually, Ringo Starr, of all the Beatles, Ringo mm. Starr was the first to hit with pop tunes after the Beatles. Mm, yeah, I think that's right. His, his song mm. Photograph and the yep. other one, those hit much bigger yep. than any other. And then McCartney had to tour when he put Wings together. I just found this. They were driving around in a van pulling into colleges. And he would go in and he's like, yeah, can I talk to your, uh, you know, your director of activities? And then he'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm Paul McCartney. This is my band. Can we come in and do a show for you? And they're like. Okay, okay. God. And then they'd put up signs and paper it, in, and they'd sell out tickets that day. But he couldn't get hired. He had to go out and I didn't know eat that. on doors I had no to get hired We had Denny McLean in his band, for God's sake. Yeah. That's a pretty damn good band, Paul McCartney and Denny McLean. Yeah. My God. Denny McLean, if you don't know, is the man who sang Go Now for the Moody Blues. One great singer. Great singer. So, I mean, that was a hell of a band. Wings was a hell of a band. Yeah, I mean, just no one wants to hire us, but other than that. On Wednesday, Moses Farrow, the adoptive son of Mia Farrow and Woody Allen, posted on his blog. Uh, in the post, Moses defended Allen against the longstanding sexual abuse allegations from his sister, Dylan Farrow. Now, let me ask you a question about that. I'm not saying he's guilty. I'm not saying he's not guilty. Why isn't Woody Allen suffering from all of these sexual allegations? Didn't he marry a teenager, in the, his, his stepdaughter? I think or she was 19 or 20. Well, she was 19 or 20 actually, when married. Yeah. Um, but the fact that Mia found photographs of her naked. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know at what age the girl was in the photograph. So if she was 18 or older, it's not a felony. Mm -hmm. But this guy is like skated on all of these sexual abuse allegations. All of them. They hadn't heard him a bit. But here's an interesting thing. You have <clears throat> Moses coming forward now saying yeah. this isn't true. Yes. And a lot of the kids that claim that they were being sexually molested mm -hmm. were very young. Was Mia planting that seed yeah maybe saying I, this I happened and it, it's become a, a false memory for these kids well, because all, mom told them this yeah, maybe i will tell you one thing that's a flat-out lie is that uh what's his name ronan farrow <laughs> you let's mean just, ronan sinatra yeah i mean ronan sinatra i mean come on you look exactly like Frank well they've sinatra. never denied it and oh, they haven't? No, no. But oh, I, I here, here it was what it was. Mia was very cautious because Sinatra was married to Barbara Sinatra when she got impregnated. Oh, I didn't know Because that. she was married to Woody. This was the only one of their kids, I think, that was legitimately theirs. Oh. Wasn't he originally Satchel? And then yeah, after the divorce, Satchel. he yep. changed his yep. name. That's exactly right. He was and Satchel. he became Ronan. Um, and they said, well, you know, the, the Sinatra family's official take on it was, uh, you know, we love Mia and all of her children, and we always will we'll always accept Ronan as one of our own. So it was very eloquently put without saying, yes, he's our brother. Yeah. But I think it's the tip of the head. But if you look at the side-by-side -side pictures, holy cats. It's unbelievable. He's the, I would love to hear his voice. Because Frank Sinatra yeah. Jr. didn't look like him. He looked more like Nancy, his mom. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But he had a he had a silky voice. But he mm. didn't have that edge that Sinatra had. No, not even. And close. Sinatra said, I wish I had my son's voice. He had a much better voice. But I, I disagree. He had, because Sinatra had that yeah. kind of lived-in voice that really no, Sinatra took over. But yeah, phenomenal. man, Ronan, that's creepy. I mean, it's unbelievably it, creepy how much he really looks is. like he Frank looks... Sinatra. And by the way, and Frank's the blue eyes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Frank Sinatra's breath control while singing is the best of all time. His he breath learned control by watching the trumpet players. Yep. So That's he would exactly take sips right. of air during long notes. Yeah, he would. He would be singing and breathing at the same time. At the same time. Not easy to do. No. Uh, did you hear about that? what that woman said? She, the woman used to date Frank Sinatra. Which one? reporter asked or, or said to this woman, and, you know, asked this woman, is it true, because so many other people said this, uh, that Frank Sinatra was just one nasty human being. And she said, well, 19 inches of him wasn't very nasty. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what? Wow. Really? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> that's, I don't think so. That's, uh, Sounds like she doesn't know what an inch is. More than a foot and a half, so uh, gosh, well, uh, gee, I... Uh, <laughs> That's um, like saying you should see the 12-inch fish I caught. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
That's exactly right. When centimeters, <laughs> not an inch. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Yeah, let's settle Were they converting it to like kilometers yeah, or something? Probably. I don't know what the, the deal is on that. Probably true. <laughs> uh, in his post, Moses attempted to contradict Dylan's allegations of abuse against Allen, citing supposed inconsistencies that a friend's nanny allegedly saw Allen's head in Dylan's lap in the TV room, not the uh, attic, for example. He also concluded that the allegations were a product of brainwashing from his mother. So there you go. That's what he's saying is that Mia Farrell brainwashed her children. So I, there's a reason that Woody Allen is skating on all this stuff. Because his movie should have been banned from theaters long ago if well, this stuff were true. Now that the Me Too movement is going, stars are dropping left and right saying they'll never do another Woody Allen movie. Which, again, I are think the guy's now? 80. Yeah. So he's is probably he really going to be viable like, yeah, okay, whatever. into a Woody Allen movie again? Well, how many yeah. movies? He's probably done 300 movies. Yeah, he's, he's done a lot of movies. He's, he's good. He's done a He's couple. good on movies. Yeah, I'm good. I got enough money. His early stuff is so brilliant. It's phenomenal. God. It Bananas, is uh, what is it, Love and Death? Um, that scene in Love and Love Death, and Death. When he's like Napoleon character and yep. he takes the woman to his bedroom and, and they pan to the clock and it's like 12 o'clock and then they pan back around the room and the room's torn to hell. Yes. And the bed's all wrecked up. Their clothes are everywhere and they're laying there cuddled under the blanket smoking and then they pan up to the clock and it's 12.02. <laughs> <laughs> he had one great line in Love and Death too. This guy was all sad. What's the problem? Uh, it's just it's my family. It's just, uh, this whole war thing, it's just It's just terrible. My father was bayoneted to death by a Polish conscientious objector. <laughs> Do you know where he came up with his line dialogue? Was, he was a huge Bob Hope fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you listen to him and then go back to the old Bob Hope movies, like the Road 2 movies yeah, and all that stuff, his, his way of talking, he was doing a Jewish Bob Hope I could through, see that. through all of that. And it's, yep. it's funny, the, the weirdness. I love that scene in uh, Take the Money and Run. Yep. When he carves the gun out of the soap, yes. uses shoe polish, but then he goes out in the rain and it starts foaming up. <laughs> I have a gub. What? You have a gub? It's not a gub. It says G-U-B. I have a gub. I think, oh, God. Um, Dylan later responded to her brother's claims in a statement shared to Twitter call, calling Moses a troubled person. In his post, Moses attempted to contradict Dylan's allegations of abuse against Alan, citing supposed inconsistencies. Uh, we already talked about, it. but yeah, they, they say that brainwashing from his mother may be one of the things that occurred. Uh, so who knows what to believe? This family yeah. is nuts. Well, yeah, that's true. Every I mean, one of them is crazy in some unique way. So yeah, that's the whole problem they have is that everybody in the family is off their rocker for God's sake. Well, the thing you really have to take into consideration is these allegations have been around for what? 25 years now? Yeah. It's Almost, a long time. Probably even yeah. 30 years. Probably 30. Yeah. And he's never been arrested. No, I know. So that must mean, I know Law looked into the guy. They yeah. cannot have found anything that puts him in a bad light. And I guess not. You know, I don't know. Why would your own wife want to do that to you, though? I get, did this all start after the uh, Sun Yi thing? Yeah. It was as soon as she, she came home one day and found, and, okay. and he was weird. Like, he kept them in a back house. The kids were all, like, raised in another house on property. Well, I did not know that. Didn't he have, like, a thousand? Oh, he only had five. Five kids. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Soon Yi was 21, so. Well, she was 21 when they all, got married. It's not as bad as all that. And they're still oh, together the fact somehow. It's his stepdaughter. Not related, though. Right. Yeah, still it is bizarre. It is weird. Yeah. I mean, it's, what it, are you doing? Yeah, considering he adopted her, let's see. Well, he didn't. Mia. It was one of Mia's kids. And when he married Mia, she was already part of the, the pack, I believe. I don't oh. think he actually adopted. I think Satchel's their only quote unquote. So okay, so let's see. Birth. So he was uh, Sunyi's stepdad for 12 years before they got married. So, yes. yeah, that is kind of that weird. Is, that's icky. Eh, she's only nine, you know. Uh, because yeah. at some point, he had to have looked at her and said, Whoa, she's very attractive. And how old was she then? At that point, you think, I need therapy yeah I you know hope so. my daughter comes in wearing a bikini and i'm like "Ooh, look at her it's time well. to think well look at me i need help right now let me head on well, over to bizarre. fairview hospital and check in well but he's also crazy so well mm, allegedly no. allegedly it's <laughs> no i think he would he would allege that he's crazy too probably true we have our guest on the line okay we have to go to break in about 35 yes. seconds but uh I'm looking at a picture of this uh, 30-year-old man who speaks off after being evicted from his parents' house. 
This guy has nothing going for him. I'll tell you that, this rotunda. Does he live in Apple Valley? Uh, I don't think so. He doesn't have that going for him. <laughs> God. You're not going to let it go, are you? What? <laughs> Our neighbor. Yeah. Oh, your neighbor. Yeah, you're not going to let yeah. it go. Oh, that's what it was all about. I don't know. Does he I don't know what you're talking about. I don't either. I have no idea what I'm talking about. There's no question about it. I do know this, that we will be right back and after a very short break with a special guest up next, Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you know how important it is to have the right dock. That's why you should know about flow docks. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. They're completely modular so you can configure them to your family's needs or add on as your family's needs grow. And get this, you can install... Level and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make, right down to flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy. My friends at Flow also told me that hockey star Ryan Suter bought a flow dock and lift as he wanted the best for his family. See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. See them at floeintl.com, flow docks and lifts, a better way. I remember when my older brother came home from Vietnam and how proud I was to be seen with him in uniform. I'm a huge supporter of our military men and women and always have been. I've also got a soft spot for women and children. Lincoln said in his second inaugural speech that we should take care of the wounded and care for the widows and orphans. That's exactly what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. This summer, the Gold Star Ride Foundation will travel across the country visiting Gold Star families on an ambitious adventure to help those families and remind them they are not forgotten. I made a commitment to help this organization just like Weston Choppers, Northlight Color, and Print Media Minnesota, and you should too. It's pretty easy to do. Just visit www.goldstarride.org and click the Donate button. Many of my listeners already have, and that's great, but let's not forget, we're all in this together. www.goldstarride.org. Today's a good day to do it. Be proud of our veterans and their families. Make a contribution today. Michael Bryant just walked in for the very last segment of the show today. What do you know? How you doing, Michael? Put a little headphone action on. What's the latest? You're not talking. Yeah, you know. Okay. We have a special guest, Lisa. Uh, Lisa, do you pronounce your middle name Carlone or Carlone? Carlone. It is Carlone. Lisa Carlone Steindorf. Connected parent, empowered child. Five keys to raising happy, confident, responsible kids. Lisa, do any of those kids exist today? <laughs> I mean... That's that'd be phenomenal if everybody they do were exist. happy, confident, and responsible. That's man. How about polite too? Can we throw polite in there? Absolutely. You bet. Because we were talking uh, this, earlier in the day about the fact that people are nowhere near as polite as they used to be, and I don't know why that is. Well, I think we've dropped our standards, and we don't expect it. We tolerate impoliteness and and rudeness and sass. I don't. I like to trip them. If they're not polite, I trip. No, I don't do that. Lisa Carlone Steindorf, our special guest today. Lisa says, uh, sadly, the current epidemic of school shootings isn't surprising given our current culture. We have diligently fed an entire entire generation aggression and violence with its mother's milk and now stand at the sidelines scratching our heads, wondering how all this tragedy could have happened or could be happening because uh, it does. It goes on, it seems like, a couple of times a week now there are school shootings. It's unbelievable. So by allowing our children to play violent video games, is that all part of it? It is. It really is part of it. It's not only the video games, it's the general media consumption. You know, teens are spending 14 hours a week watching television and um, Mm. younger children even more, almost three hours a day. And that's a lot of consumption. So given the fact that they're constantly learning, their brains are learning, taking in information, learning about the world, uh, if they're watching movies and video games and television shows where aggression is the is the solution to conflict, then yeah, it's a, it's a problem, and we've kind of trained them to be that way. 
It is. I, I, it's, it's so sad that this is... I have a question for you. What are children watching on television? Because they say that people under 30 don't watch a whole lot of uh, television as far as ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, uh, all that stuff. They, they don't watch broadcast, what used to be broadcast television anyway. Right. What are yeah, they that, that, that's actually um, dropped quite a bit, that um, 30% or 37% of teenagers are watching videos and movies and television via things like Netflix, so online mm-hmm. and also YouTube. Um, about 29% watch it through YouTube. So they're getting more content from online than traditionally when we were younger. You know, we would watch it on, on the major networks on right, television. right. Do we, did we, as a generation, drop the ball raising our children? Is that, uh, is that part of the problem as well? You know, I, I would have to say yes on that. And I, you know, what does dropping the ball mean? I think raising children is just tough. We mm-hmm. I know from my own experience, I was certainly going to do it differently than my parents. I know they did the best job that they possibly could do, but it was missing in a lot of areas. And I was raised with aggression. My dad's solution to, you know, problems was to be aggressive and violent. And yeah. that was certainly not a conducive way to growing up to be happy and, and, and healthy. And so I was going to do it differently. And when I had kids, I wasn't violent or aggressive, but I realized I had zero skills, zero tools, because I only had what I learned from my own folks. So I think having children is a huge job. It's the most difficult job we'll ever have. And we need to groom the tools, gain the skills to do it in a really healthy and positive manner, especially given the fact that we don't have a lot of great role models. If our parents weren't role models we want to take on and society's not offering it and we, don't, we no longer have the, the traditional structures of um, you know, intact families, if you will, or church or whatever it is, the value systems are varied today. And so parents have a very hard time trying to figure out how do we do it, how do we do it well, and then finding the time to do it well. Lisa, it's amazing because when I was a child, and I'm nowhere near a child any longer, (laughs) but when I was a child, uh, I was told, you need to stay informed, you should watch the news, and Mm -hmm. therefore you would learn what the real world's all about, and so you should, doesn't matter, you're only 10 years old, whatever you are, you should watch the news. Well, nowadays, if you watch the news... All you will mm-hmm. see on broadcast television is how much everyone hates everyone else. That's all yeah. you hear. It's terrible. Yeah. It's true. It's Well, it's sensationalism, and unfortunately, yeah. it's I mean, the, the newscasters are forced to reach their numbers, and so they need to find the stories that are interesting. I'm going to share with you the... the um, um, press release that went out after the shootings... And they were looking for, you know, experts, people like myself who have a background in peace education in schools and parenting solutions to come onto shows like yours, you know, well-known shows, and, and talk about what parents can do, what, just what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was expecting to be flooded by um, interview requests. It's been a handful. Really? And that, yes, it, which is mind-blowing, and you also have to consider the shooting was on Friday, I believe it was. By Saturday, it was no longer the main headline. That's right. Because yeah. it's become desensitized, it's not interesting anymore, and it's a subject that people don't want to deal with. They don't want to look at it. But it's staring us in, in the face. We've had one school shooting every week since the beginning of this year, if you average them out. Every I mean, week. we're talking about children's death. They're going to school to learn, and they're dying. Like that, we're not outraged about that. It blows my mind. If you look at when we have a, a national election in this country, you can't turn on a radio station, television station, or the internet without being inundated social media about some candidate doing something, a, a public forum, a, a debate going on. It's constant. But our children are dying every day in school, and people aren't discussing it. I, I don't grasp that. Okay, Lisa, we have a daughter. My wife is on this show. She's not here today, but our, our son is on the show, and our daughter's on the show. And our, Both my wife and my daughter bailed on us an hour ago. It's just unbelievable. Oh, women, yeah. I tell you. <laughs> women, I tell you. But our daughter uh, has a two-year-old. She'll be two on Saturday, and uh, she's about to have her second child. She and her Yay. husband. It's wonderful. How did she raise a child, uh, two children now, in this day and age, without exposing them to all this violence and hatred and my it's all you see on television now well i one one thing i'd suggest is yeah. take 
take the box and turn it off. Yeah. Just turn yeah, off the there, box. There you go. When yeah. you have times, when you have family times, no media. And if you're going to, you know, there is educational um, information on television and on movies and so forth. If you want to do that for your children, be selective and sit down and watch it before you let them watch it. Yeah. And so it is cool, but she's going she's gonna to be swimming up upstream. But you know what? You asked at the beginning, are there really responsible, happy, confident kids out there? Yes. And their parents also swam upstream. Do you, do you Thank think, God, because those are the good people out there that are doing good things. Do you think it's them not getting phones earlier? I mean, because the issue yeah. more is the use of phones and what they're doing with phones. I mean, it, we used to have the TV, and we used to watch TV. Yeah. You know, it's just they're not using watching TV. They're using their phones or computers to, watch to do things, these things. Yeah. That's true. Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, I'm, I'm considered a dinosaur, and I will definitely admit that. <laughs> but my children had to – they grew up actually without television, both of them – thanked me, interestingly enough, when they um, both went to college for different reasons. My daughter thanked me because she said that she had a sense of identity that was totally her own and it wasn't dependent on what some media outlet told her to wear or how she should look or what weight she should be at. And my son, when he went to college, um, said it was the most helpful thing that he'd ever had because it helped him to create critical thinking in his own opinions because the peers that he was with they couldn't even come up with their own opinions without referring to or checking on some sort of media information. So I think that we have a choice on what we do in our homes, and it takes more time. If your children are asking you questions and you're trying to cook dinner, you're trying to get something, you know, work on the car, and they're asking you questions or they're interested and involved, it takes more attention and, and effort on your part to be attentive to them than to have them just plugged into a telephone and um, you can go about your day. So it's it's a challenge, but it definitely pays off. Where did you grow up, Lisa? Uh, interesting question. So I'm, I'm a native of Colorado, but I moved overseas quite early. Um, actually, I had not yet finished college. I did that then later and um, spent most of my life overseas. Okay. So it's, um, it's been interesting for me. You know, I sat recently, not this school shooting. Isn't it sad? I have to say it that way. Yeah, I believe it was yeah. the one in San Jose. Um, that I had an intern here helping me, a young man, <clears throat> 19 years old. And I had not heard about the school shooting because, I, as I said, I don't have a television, but I had to go on the Internet for some of the work we were doing, and up comes on NPR that there had been a shooting, and I just was devastated. I couldn't believe it, so upset. And then this young kid's looking at me like I'd fallen out of the sky. And he said, doesn't, doesn't that happen like all the time in Europe too? Mm said, no, it doesn't. And I was surprised that he wasn't surprised, and he was surprised that I was, hmm. that this school shooting happened. And he said to me, he said, I just thought that's a normal part of life. He said, I, maybe I'm desensitized. We're talking about a 19-year-old male. That like, he didn't even think about it. It's like, oh, you know, the Broncos won the Super Bowl, and, you know, there was a shooting of 12 kids, and, you know, tomorrow we're going to have uh, an eruption of a volcano in Hawaii. It's like, oh, there's that. Yeah, it is just the news, isn't it? It's amazing. You know, there's this uh, Michael Rotunda case that's going on now, a 30-year-old man whose parents wanted to move out. They've had him evicted. Yeah. He's fighting the eviction. What's funny about that is our son is 31 and our daughter's 29. If, if they announced they were going to move back home, we'd go, yeah, that sounds great, wonderful. <laughs> well, he also apparently was, you know, not nice. Yeah. Okay. He was refusing oh, really? to help around the house, refused to get a job, didn't want to... Mm. Left the you Cheeto know. bags open. Left the Cheeto bags. You can't have the Cheeto bags open. Got all stale. But seriously, we if our kids announced they were going to move back home, both my wife and I would be going, God, that's phenomenal. Well, maybe we could go out and see Coco together. <laughs> go back to kids' movies. <laughs> Having little children was a great joy. The, the fun that we had. And as a matter of fact, our, our as I said, our granddaughter is going to be two on Saturday. And about uh, a week ago, she face FaceTimes me on my, my phone, Fawn. my my daughter did, Fawn. So Fawn comes on the screen, and she calls me Bop Bop. She's trying to say Papa, but she can't say Papa. She says Bop Bop. Mm -hmm. So she says Bop Bop and holds up her foot to the camera and says Tootsie. <laughs> <laughs> it was phenomenal. And you see that? And those are the things, like, well, first of all, I have to say, Given the fact you have family involved with your show, Tom, mm -hmm. so you all have definitely done a lot of the very right things because you have a family unit, which is what brings so much joy, right? Yeah, absolutely. But but that example of Tootsie, media is is a great. It's wonderful if we're in charge of it. Yeah. 
But, yeah. but the problem is, is that we have it controlling us, and most people are not living really conscious um, in uh, life on purpose. Wait a minute, can you say that again? I was just on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. No, I've never really been on Facebook or Twitter, any social media. No, but it is. I will admit it. It's addictive. You know, I do a lot of it for yeah. for my show for your and show, doing yeah. the business. Yep. But now I find myself, you're, I'm constantly checking, constantly chasing. Is there a new message or something I need to address? Yeah. And yeah, you know what? And when we've had times when we haven't had our phones available to us for four or five hours, I do feel a sense of relief. And yeah. maybe that's something yeah. we need to start implementing more across the board at home. Just everybody turns in their phones at dinner and doesn't get them back <laughs> until morning. I like it. Exactly. That there's no and and when people come here for an event, a party or whatever it is, their phones are checked at the door and they love it. Like oh my god, it's like they're on vacation. What are we gonna do now? <laughs> yeah, I, no, it's absolutely true. I do not go on Facebook or I have a, a Facebook account and a Twitter account. On I have not been on it in about five and a half years because you can only take so many Tom's a jerk messages before you just get <laughs> sick of them. You know, I I just it's not for me. Uh, we like to sit around and watch Silicon Valley and, you know, just have fun. That, my wife and I like to laugh. I will tell you one thing, because we only have about a minute left. My wife, Catherine, is not here today. She, she's on the first two hours of the show. But uh, we watched the very last episode of a show called The Middle, which has been on for 11 oh, years on ABC. Magnificent mm-hmm. show. It's about family. It was all about this family unit and how they got along and didn't get along and agreed and disagreed and all the rest of it. Well, the very final episode was a couple of weeks ago, and we finally got around to watching it last night. And uh, their son, the mother said she's going to miss her son because he's moving to Denver. The daughter is going to end up marrying the boy she's always hmm. always loved but was never able to tell him. Spoilers, Tom. Yeah, Jeez. apparently I shouldn't watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I mean, all this big stuff. But the greatest thing is I look over at my wife. She has tears in her eyes, mm. and she says, I hate the middle. <laughs> but to react to a TV show like that, when you see a happy family and everybody yeah. makes out in the family, is a wonderful thing. Uh, you're a great guest, Lisa. I, seriously. We need to get you on the morning show as well. I do a morning show as well, and we need to get you on. So I will uh, I'd grab your contact information. Love to do so, Tom. Thank you. Connected parent, empowered child, five keys to raising happy, confident, responsible kids. I like all those things, Lisa. I like them all. Yay! Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for your time. Great interview. Thank you. Be well. You as well. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.